Chapter 11 She turned her eyes on him, her face without expression. I do not understand you, Mr. Blake. You own a cowhide vest? A black and white cowhide vest? Where is it? She shrugged. At home, I suppose. Where else would it be? We're going there, he said. And I'll ask the doctor to accompany us, if he is no longer needed here. I want to see that vest. It seemed to me that she was tossing a loop inside her mind, trying to put a rope on the reason for his request. At first I thought, just for a minute, that she might have done the shooting herself. Now I was not sure. John Blake did think so. I was sure of that. But as he started for the door, he paused. Now let me tell you something, Mrs. Lundy. And this goes for you too, Con. The war is over. Do you hear me? You'd better tell that to Aaron MacDonald, I suggested. He's already killed some of my men, men defending least land. That makes no difference to me, he said. The fighting stops. Everything else will be settled in good time. Will that stop the men attacking Hackamore? He did not answer that, but turned away from me and went out the door after Linda. It was he who paused in her eyes, and she who paused as well, and her eyes looked directly into mine. Then she looked away from me and at Kate. You, you will see, she said. My father is a better man than any of you, and a stronger one. By now he has burned your silly town, and when he comes back he will show you who is in charge. Kate smiled at her, and for the first time Linda seemed to lose that coldness that was so much a part of her. I wonder... What will you do, Kate said, when your father dies? It was not meant to be cruel. Kate was musing, as I'd seen her do before, and was genuinely curious, but Linda's expression made me wonder if the thought that ever had ever occurred to her before. Then she was out of the door and gone, and Kate and I were alone in the doctor's office. You'd better get some rest, I said. I'll sit down outside. Sit here, she said. She was silent for a minute, then she went on. Con, I'd no business starting all this. We've lost some good men. If you hadn't started it, the men would have, I told her honestly. They thought the world and all of that boy. We did not speak for a few minutes, but sat listening to the tick of the clock on the roll-top desk. Outside in the street, it was still. Con, I want to go home, she said presently. All right. I want you to take me home. To our home. It was as simple as that. After all the years we'd spent together, my throat felt tight, and I got up quickly and walked to the door. Then I turned toward her. I wanted that, I said. I've always wanted that. It had to come by itself, Con. Just all of a sudden, it seemed so right. Sure, I said, and listened to the horses coming up the street. I heard them for several minutes before the sound really got through to me, horses coming nearer and nearer, until suddenly it reached me. Riders were coming, a lot of riders. And then I saw John Blake standing alone in the street, standing there in his black suit, facing up the street toward the west, and those riders coming on, closer and closer. When a voice spoke, it was Aaron MacDonald's. Get out of the street, John Blake! We know they're here, and we want them. They're both fit for hanging, and we'll win this fight after all. I could see them, 
Aaron McDonald and 30-odd riders, but there were riderless saddles with them too, and bodies hung over saddles, and there were men among the 30 who were in no shape for any kind of a fight. This was a well-whipped bunch, or they had been until that minute. Now, they only had one man to stand against, and he was in plain sight before them. You're all alone, MacDonald persisted, and the report of what happened goes in. We'll write it, unless you step aside. With one step, I was out on the boardwalk in sight of them all. He's not alone, I said. I'm here, and I stand ready. Leave it to me, Con, Blake said in a quiet voice. There's a couple there that I want, I said clearly. But nobody was listening to me or even looking at me. They were looking over John Blake's head and up the street to the east, and I heard horses walking, a lot of them. When I looked over my shoulder, it was Red Mike I saw, Red Mike and a dozen others, all with rifles. They were the men he had brought up from Texas. Then something moved between the buildings across the street, and I saw Meharry standing there with a shotgun in his hands. On the roof near him was Battery Mason with a rifle. The others showed up then, and we had them surrounded. John, Red Mike said conversationally, you just step out of the street. We'll take it from here. From down the street behind them, Gallardo spoke. Keep your fire in the center of the street, boys. I'll pick off any who try to get away. Me and Frenchy here, standing there on the boardwalk, I could see the faces of MacDonald and his men plain and there were some almighty sick men out there. They were boxed, nothing left but to nail the top down. Durow was there, and he was standing pat, as I knew he would. He was the kind you'd have to salt down with a peck of lead before he'd stay down. I almost liked the man, but he was the man I was going to shoot first, because he was the best fighter of the lot, and there were some other good ones in that bunch. You call it, Aaron. Garreau said coolly, and let me have jury over there. There'll be no shooting here, John Blake's voice was not loud, but it was clear as a bell, and every man jack of us heard it. Aaron MacDonald, you're under arrest, the banker laughed. Under arrest? On what charge? He was smiling, that thin little smile with tight mouth. Tempted murder, John Blake said, in that same tone. You tried to kill Kate Lundy. For the first time, it dawned on me that Aaron MacDonald was wearing that black and white cowhide vest. His face turned livid and then slowly paled, but I was scarcely noticing. For, knowing Western men the way I did, I was looking at the others, and I was looking at Darrow in particular. Have you got proof of that, Marshal? Darrow asked. Mrs. Lundy is in the doctor's office. She told me in front of the doctor that she was shot by a man wearing that vest. Conjury heard her say it. That vest belongs to Aaron's daughter, but he's wearing it. Durow dropped his rifle and reached for his belt buckle. I'm out of it, John, he said. I'll have nothing to do with a man who'd shoot a woman. Guns thudded onto the ground. Do you want us? Durow said to Blake. No, Blake answered. Just go to your homes and stay there. Hold it, Marshal, I said. Keep Talcott here. I want this house searched. Kate Lundy's gold was stolen in that raid. Durow swore. Whoever stole that gold, he said, needs a rope 
right alongside McDonald's, and I'll tie the noose. Aaron McDonald had been standing his horse right there, without moving. Suddenly, almost beside me, there was a slight movement, and turning my eyes, I saw it was Linda, and she was looking at her father. My eyes followed her, and I saw what she saw. No man on earth was ever more alone than Aaron MacDonald at that moment. Almost without noticeable movements, everyone had drawn back from him. Only Talcott remained near, and he was isolated, too. But neither one was thinking of the other at that moment. Talcott wanted to run. He looked like a whipped cur. Aaron MacDonald just sat there, because he had no place to run to. Had he been any man but the man he was... I'd have been sorry for him, for he had to stand alone before you realized how really small he was. Money and arrogance had bought him, for a time, a certain measure of power and authority. He still had the money, but there wasn't any store anywhere that would take it in exchange for what MacDonald needed now, nor was there any store that could supply it. When I looked at Linda again, she was staring at her father with a positive hatred in her eyes, hatred and contempt. You are worse than he is, I said. You got that boy killed, and you knew what you were doing. She didn't even hear me. She just turned away and started back up the street. She didn't look around. Not once.